Well, I invite you to turn over to our passage this morning. If you have your, uh, have your bulletin there, it's uh, printed out over on page 3. Uh, or if you have a Bible, you can open up to 2 Corinthians 5. This year at Emmanuel, we've been studying through 2 Corinthians, and, uh, and we've been seeing, especially these last, last few weeks, how Paul really unfolds all the, the glories that come in Christ because of Jesus, connected uh, to Jesus. And that's, uh, and that's true again again this week as we get to the end of chapter 5. We get what is probably one of the, one of the best summaries of the good news of the gospel. Why is the gospel so good? Well, well, God's about to explain it to us. So whether you're hearing it for the first time, you're hearing it for the 500th time, uh, see how good it really is. And uh, let's, let's read together, starting there at verse 16 and going into chapter uh, 6, verse 2. So let's listen to God's word. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's pray for God's word. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would use your word as you promised through your spirit, that you'd make uh, our eyes to see the glories uh, of your gospel uh, afresh and anew, and that it would, uh, would transform us, and you would receive all the glory, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so think for a minute <clears throat> about, a, about a relationship. A relationship maybe you've been involved in, or maybe you've just seen up close, but in particular, a relationship that has been hard. I mean, really, really hard. Like, ugly, destructive, painful, hard. Think about a relationship like that. Right? They come in different shapes and sizes, but, but, they, but they have different, some of the same characteristics. Uh, so, um, they have the characteristics of, of a common cause. Right? What, what causes relationships, human relationships, to be, to be difficult and ugly? Well, at the core of it, it's, it's sin. Right? There's, the, there's the common cause, no matter what it looks on the outside. Uh, that there's, uh, there's an ugly rebellion against God, failure to live according to his commandments and love as he taught us to love, uh, whether it's uh, from one uh, side of the relationship or, or the other or, or both. 
sin, or a whole pattern of sin usually, uh, is, that, is that ugly wedge that, that drives people apart, that, that fractures uh, a relationship. So, so the, whatever the details are and that one you're thinking of, that relationship you're thinking of, down at the core, that which, which caused the ugliness and the fracture, there was sin, and it caused a mess. So then you can think of what would it take for a relationship that fractured and painful to be healed, to be reconciled? Uh, well, uh, at the very core of it, something would have to deal with that sin, right? Uh, a relationship that painful, uh, you, you can't just like, like brush aside the difficulty. Right? Eh, don't worry about it. No big deal. No, no, no. That, that was the wedge that drove, uh, drove the relationship apart. So if you're going to heal the relationship, something's got to deal with that wedge. That, that sin needs to be uh, addressed. Right? So these are the dynamics we are familiar with in, in human relationships. What it is that, that fractures relationships, and if there's any hope of healing, uh, how that might take place. And what, what God does in Scripture uh, is he takes uh, he does different aspects of human life and uses them to show us what he does in the gospel. Uh, and and what, the, what God does in this passage is he uses human relationship language to talk about why the gospel is so good. It's one of many different images that God uses. Uh, so we could go to other passages where God explains the gospel in the language of the marketplace, uh, God talking about redemption, marketplace language. Or we could go to other places where God explains the gospel in terms of, in terms of religious ritual. There's the language of propitiation. But here, the language that comes up is language of relationship. You heard uh, Paul use that uh, language five different times, reconcile, reconciliation. It's relationship language. He assumes that we have have this experience of, of what it is that makes a mess in relationships and what might be the path to healing them. And that becomes his image for what he's done and, and what we so desperately need. So let's take a look uh, at the need and what God has done in this relationship language. So first, we'll talk about the need for reconciliation, the need. Now, Paul spends much more of the time here in uh, in this section, talking about uh, the solution, uh, but he clearly assumes that there is a big problem, uh, a, a deep and desperate problem, a relationship problem. Uh, for example, it comes out in his in his passion. So look at look at verse twenty. Uh, can you hear the hear the passion in Paul's Paul's language here? Uh, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We, we implore you, we, we plead, uh, we beg you. This is, this is the kind of language you use when things are really, really serious. Like, like critical condition, deadly serious. Like, we plead, come on, I'm imploring you, I'm pleading with you. Right? You only talk that way when something is deadly, deadly serious. And actually, Paul says, that's actually God making that appeal. Right? Did you, did you catch what he said? Uh, so he says, uh, he says that it's God making his appeal through Paul. 
So, yeah, Paul's doing the, uh, the pleading, but it's actually God uh, who's God who's imploring, God who's pleading. So God himself is, is declaring this is desperate. This is critical condition serious. Uh, okay, uh, what is it? Well, it's a relationship problem. Uh, critical condition, serious relationship problem. And we can bring in the rest of Scripture to fill in, fill in the details. Uh, a disastrously fractured relationship, not between two people, uh, but between a creator uh, and, and his created people, between us and God. The Bible uh, uses the language of, of enmity with God or hostility. Uh, that there exists, uh, because of our sin, this active state of hostility uh, between us and God. That we're, we're, because of our sin, enemies of God. Um, right? It's, it's, it's because of sin. Uh, just like in our human relationships, it's our sin that's that wedge that has driven uh, and fractured our relationship with God. Probably the best place to, to understand and get a picture of this is go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, so kids, you remember all the way back at the beginning... Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, right? How are things, how are things in the garden uh, at the very beginning? Pretty good, right? Not just pretty good, they were really, really good. And specifically, well, one of the things, the thing that was the best about the Garden of Eden was, was, was Adam and Eve's relationship with God. Uh, that, that we're told that they, that they walked with God. They had this intimate, perfect life-giving relationship with their, uh, with their creator. But kids, did it, did it stay good like that? No. No. So what caused the problem? Sin. Sin. Right? And you remember, you remember really what the core of the sin there in the garden was. It wasn't just, uh, oops, shouldn't have broke that rule. Right? It was much, much deeper uh, much, much deeper than that. Yes, outwardly it was God gave a command and they broke it, the eating of the forbidden fruit. But there was something down at the core uh, that's, that was so ugly that the, the fracture of the relationship was that serious. Uh, I like how, how one children's Bible puts it, that the real core of Adam and Eve's sin is that they believed the big lie. The big lie. Because at the core of the temptation... Uh, was uh, was that lie of God really doesn't love you? God's holding out on you by keeping this this forbidden fruit. He doesn't really love you. You can't trust him. He's holding out. He doesn't care about you. And they bought it. The very God who made them, the very God who was sustaining them, and he they had enjoyed. They bought into this absolutely hideous lie that this God hated them instead. And they're, and they're grabbing that fruit was, their, was this core rebellion against the very goodness of God. And, and so that was the, uh, it was that sin that was the wedge that, that drove apart uh, God and, and man. Uh, it, it caused the, the real dreadful alienation. Actually, it's a, it's a, it's a two-sided alienation. Uh, because you see it there in the garden. Because, and this is true for all of us. Uh, so it's, it's Adam and Eve being alienated from God, and God being alienated from Adam and Eve. So from, from one standpoint, it's, it's Adam and Eve in their unholy alienation from God. Right? What do they do? They go from walking with God to hiding from God. Right? 
They're walking with God before, and now they're running from him. So there's their unholy alienation from God. But there's also the other side. There's God in his, in his righteousness and his holiness, in his holy alienation from them. Because what is, what is the just judgment? They're kicked out of the garden. They're kicked out of the presence of God, out of, uh, out of that intimate relationship with him because of, because of their sin. Uh, right? You start to see the idea of perfect relationship, horribly fractured. And now, now man is separated from God in the life that's only in God. And of course, that Genesis scene is not just, uh, not just two people. It's the story of humanity. That's, that's our story. That's your story. It's my story. Uh, it's, it's our sin, uh, right? It's created as, uh, to have that perfect relationship with the Lord, but it's our sin uh, that alienates us from God. Uh, it drives that wedge between us and our, and our creator. And if that relationship isn't healed, then there's, there's eternal alienation from God. That's, that's essentially what hell is. It's, it's eternal alienation from God and the life that's in God. Right? So you start to see that how Paul could be, be right, how God could be right, in imploring and pleading. Yeah, this is deadly serious. Right? This, is, this is a fractured relationship, and the need for healing and reconciliation is so serious, well, you can't, just can't ignore it. Yeah, it's, worth, it's worth using that language of, of imploring and pleading. Uh, we saw this earlier in... In, uh, in, in that parable that Jesus told about the prodigal son, you start to get this picture of the, of the relational aspect of our, of our sin. Right? Because you remember the, the story there with the prodigal son? You remember how he runs off with his, uh, with his, uh, his father's the one share of the inheritance? And again, it's, it's a great image of how, how our sin against God isn't just, oops, broke a rule. Because what was the core of, the, of the, that prodigal son's sin? It was relational, right? It was a rejection of his father and the, and the goodness of his father and the, and the love of his father. It was a personal rejection. And he, and he, he runs off uh, away from the life uh, that, that he knew, and he ends up in the pigsty. And, of course, that's our story as well. Right? Our, our sin against God is this personal rejection of him. Uh, and, and again, it sooner or later has us end up ending up in the pigsty of, uh, of life and, uh, and its sin and its consequences. So we're, uh, we're, we're desperate. We're desperate. Can, can you see the need? Can you see the, how, the, how sin fractures that relationship with God and we need some help? We need some healing, some reconciliation with God, which, of course is exactly where Paul goes, where we could talk about not just the need for reconciliation, but the work of reconciliation. How in the world is this relationship ever going to be, to be fixed? Uh, uh, we sometimes think about that with human relationships. Maybe in that relationship that I asked you to think of, you immediately, you can bring to mind in that relationship just the mess, and, and you have fought it many times, I don't know how in the world this relationship would ever be fixed. Right? It's, it's just that bad. Now, maybe you've, you've said to yourself, it would take an act of God to heal this relationship. It's that fractured. Right? And yeah, because sin is that bad. Uh, and how similarly true with our fractured relationship with God. It would take an act of God to heal this. Oh yeah, that's exactly what God does. 
You, you see how Paul introduces this. How does it get started? How does the healing get started? God takes the initiative and God does the work. All right, okay, so you could, uh, you could go to verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Uh, who, who takes the initiative uh, to heal the relationship? God does. Who does the work uh, to heal the relationship? God does. We made the mess. We made the relational mess. God takes the initiative and does the work to fix it. That's what grace means. All right? God taking the initiative to fix uh, what we, the problem that we caused. And he does it through his son. And part of the, the helpful nature of this passage is, God, is Paul explains very clearly how it is he fixes the mess. Okay, so let's try to work our way through. How does God fix uh, a, a deadly fractured relationship like our relationship with him? Well, start at verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what we need. Uh, reconciliation. Okay, Paul, how does he do it? He starts here, not counting their trespasses against them. Okay, there, so there's a key part of it. God reconciles us to himself by not counting our trespasses, our sins, against us. Uh, right? That, that's, that's part of what we need. We said if a relationship's going to be fixed, you've got to deal with that sin. And so here's, here's, here's the first step. Not counting our sins against us. Then he explains more fully in verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? So we said in human relationships, you're going to heal that fracture. You've got to deal with the sin. You can't just uh, sweep it under the rug and say, ah, no big deal. No, it's a very big deal. You've got to deal with it. You've got to somehow address that. Here's how God addresses uh, the sin that fractures our relationship with him. He deals with it in Jesus, uh, his own son that he sends. Right, that's what he's talking about there in uh, verse 21. He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, right, spotless, uh, no rebellion in Jesus, his entire earthly life, right, the exact opposite of us, always trusting his heavenly father, always uh, believing and trusting in, in his goodness and walking it out and in love towards others, right, here, he who knew no sin, and then he says, yet for our sake, um, in order to reconcile us to himself, what, is, well, what does he do? That he made him who knew no sin to be sin. To be sin. Well, what, what, is it, what does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be sin? Well, that's where the language of verse 19 is helpful. Um, the language of 19 we read was counting or not counting of our trespasses. Uh, counting or crediting, uh, it's, it's actually accounting language. Uh, it, it's language of, of accounting this, uh, this amount, this, this money, accounting to one account or another. Maybe you're doing this recently where you're doing your taxes and you're figuring out, you know, what amount of your income counts towards your taxes or, or I don't have to count this because that, that was charitable giving. And I, you know, you're doing a lot of accounting. Count this, count this there. Well, that's what, what, Paul is talking about here. That's how he's explaining what, what happened uh, in, in God's Son. Uh, that, that here's we have this debt of our sin. 
Uh, and then what happens? Well, God saves us. How does he do it? Uh, how does he do it? We have this crushing debt of sin, but what God does is not count that sin against us. Uh, not Instead, uh, that, that sin debt gets credited to Christ's account. Right? He gets all our sin debt. Right? That's, that's what's going on there at the cross. Uh, that, that Christ dies not because of his own sin, but because our sin is credited to him. Right? He who knew no sin to be sin. Right? Our sin gets credited to Christ's account. And so there at the cross, uh, the, the, the guilt or the, the wages of sin, the, the judgment that we deserve for our sin all goes on Jesus. That's why, that's why Jesus says there at the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, that, that alienation that we earn because of our sin, Jesus takes it. That, that, that hell of alienation from God, Jesus bears that, not because he sinned, but because our sin has been credited to his account. But that's only, that's only half of it. That's only half of it. Because Paul says, now the second half of the verse, he made him who knew no sin, to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's the other half. Reformers like to talk uh, about, the, uh, about the great exchange. There's a, a two-way exchange that's going on here. Uh, so Jesus gets all our sin, and we get all his righteousness. That's what, that's what the gospel is all about. Here's how Jesus rescues his people. Jesus gets all our sin, we get his righteousness, right? We've seen this in, in previous weeks, and you see that language coming up again, in him, right? In Christ. Remember how we've been seeing this uh, foundational understanding of Paul uh, that we're, we're rescued because of our union with Christ, right? Kind of like, like a marriage union. Uh, when, you're, when you're married to your spouse, all, the, all their stuff kind of becomes yours, so if they got huge credit card debt, guess what? You've got huge credit card debt. Uh, or if they got huge inheritance, you get a huge inheritance. Right? Here we are, we're married to Jesus. Right? Through faith in Christ, through the Holy Spirit. All our sin is credited to him. All his righteousness is credited to us. All of ours becomes his. All of his becomes ours. And therefore, with that sin dealt with, now, now the relationship is healed. And we didn't do any of it, right? Notice all the work here uh, is, is not us. It's what God does. We make the mess, God does all the work. That's grace. We just receive it by faith. Just an empty hand receiving the free gift that we don't deserve. Well, let's, let's talk then about where this goes. We could call the results in reconciliation. Uh, so, uh, all this is from God. Okay, where does this give us? What is what does this result in? What do you think of that language of reconciliation itself? What is that? What does that imply? It implies that the the, the fractured relationship is healed. Uh, the, the disastrously fractured relationship between us and God is is now dealt with because our sins dealt with, and it's healed. Here's how Paul puts it in, in Romans 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God 
right? You see, there's it's it's relationship, it's warfare language. There was this tension, this this warfare uh, between us and God because of our sin. But now that the sin is dealt with, because Christ got our sin and we got His righteousness. Now there's peace with God. There's there's peace in the relationship for all eternity. The separation is over. And you get this beautiful picture of it uh, in the in the parable of Jesus that we that we read. Right, so here's that that prodigal son. He's in the pigsty, and he he decides he's gonna he's gonna go back, and he's he's thinking that maybe there could be a little bit of restoration with his father, right? But but you notice how he's thinking. He's thinking, well, maybe at best I'll be a I'll be a hired servant. Um, he never dreams of the kind of welcome he gets, right? Because what's the welcome he gets from his father? What's the welcome that gets lavished on him? He's not received as a hired servant. He's not even just received as any old son. He's received as if he were the best of the best, the most rejoiced over son out there. Amen. And he's thinking, what? That's, that's what we have in Jesus. Right? Because if we have the righteousness of Jesus, right, then we wear... Uh, we wear that righteousness of Christ, Christ who is the best of the best, uh, Son of God. And now God looks at us and he sees that, Jesus, in us. And so the welcome we have is not just, okay, come on back. Uh, no, it's God rejoicing over us as if we were the best of the best Son out there. For all party uh, best, right? Because he looks on us in Christ. Right? Do, do you actually believe that? I mean, I mean, I do think sometimes we have trouble really taking that to heart. I think we can, I think we can picture the idea that okay, God might, God might forgive my sin, right? He might say, okay, you know, taken care of. Don't worry about that anymore. But I think most of us have a lot of trouble believing that God would actually welcome us with that kind of uh, prodigal son father welcome, like welcome me. And welcome you as best of the best son, best of the best daughter. Because you're thinking, I know who I am. Like, no way he's going to welcome me like that. I, I have trouble believing it. Right? Well, again, think about that great exchange. All of your sin went to Jesus. And all his righteousness went to you. And so now the only thing that he can give and the very thing he delights to give in Christ is this celebration, extravagant welcome. Right? Praise the Lord. Okay. If we had time, we can go into verse 17, how this, this brings us into those who, are, those who are in Christ. We're brought into this new creation. Right? This, it's a part of God transforming things. Right? We said part of what went wrong uh, back at the beginning, that at Eden, that garden was lost. Well, part of what God is doing is remaking the world. He's going to bring in a new Eden, uh, but that new Eden has already started with the resurrection. And God says, if, if someone's in Christ, well, it's, it's, if, it's if that new paradise has already dawned in their lives. They're a part of that new creation. Uh, it's, it's glorious to think about. But let's, let's go to the call to reconciliation. The call. So look at the end of verse 19. And then into verse 20. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling us 
uh, reconciling us. Uh, verse 20, uh, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making us his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Right? Paul says that God entrusted him with this, this message of reconciliation. It was, it was like God appointing an ambassador. Uh, you know how this works. Uh, an ambassador goes to the foreign country on behalf of, say, the king. Right? So, so the king doesn't go there himself to the foreign country. He sends his representative, who happens to have, as virtue of, by virtue of being an ambassador, all the authority of the king himself. So the ambassador says something, it's as if the king himself was saying it. Uh, so the, the king sends the ambassador. Paul says, that's what God did uh, with me as an apostle. He sent me as, as if God himself uh, were, were speaking. And, and what's, the, what's the message that, that the king is saying through, through his ambassador, Paul? Uh, what's the appeal? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So there's a, there's a command there. Now we said, God does all the work, but there is this command to, to be reconciled. Uh, that, that there's this call for us to, to realize the problem and trust in God's solution. Uh, to realize that there is a problem. We, we have, through our sin, made the mess and fractured the relationship with God, and we're separated from the life that's in Him. Uh, but God has made this way, and God has done this work to heal, right? By sending His Son to the cross to bear our sin so that we can have His righteousness. Uh, so we need to accept the problem and trust in, in the solution. And God uh, says that he's, he's imploring, right? It wasn't just back then, all right? God imploring through Paul, yeah. But, but now here He is, right here. Right now, through his word, God pleading, God imploring, be reconciled to God. That's what God's saying to us. That's what God's saying to you. Be reconciled to God. He even quotes the Old Testament and says, don't you realize, God, God appointed a day for salvation, for rescue. And this is that day. This is that age. This is that time. Be reconciled to God. Right? See that there's this problem. And there is no other way to heal it, but God has done. God has done the work. Uh, a call out to the Lord, right? That, that, that you are, well, to use the language of Jesus' parable, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? That's the call. Uh, that's like, it's, I can't do it, but I need you to do it. And you trust in what God has done through his son. Uh, and you trust uh, in him, knowing uh, that that's the call that God answers. That's the, what he delights to give and reconcile sinners to himself, even even us, as we call out to him. So, uh, the call to be reconciled to God. Have you been, have you been reconciled to God? It, it, we need to face that. We need to wrestle with that. Uh, because uh, because it's, it's the reality that, that all of us face as fallen sinners. Right? And we, we need that, that healing, that rescue. Have you been reconciled to God? Have you called out to the name of the Lord have you rested and trusted in Christ? Uh, if you're not sure what that means or you're still wrestling with that, uh, take that question seriously. Don't, don't dismiss it. Talk to somebody about it. Talk to me about it or, or one of our other leaders or talk to somebody else who knows the Lord. Uh, but, but there's the, this, this deadly serious need. God himself saying, I implore you. 
uh, and God providing this glorious solution, this glorious welcome for those who trust him. And notice also, as we're talking about uh, the call, right, the application of this good news, that there is also an implied application for, for those of us who already have this, this gift and this welcome, uh, that God calls his people and uses his people as, as ambassadors for Christ. Right? So, so none of us are apostles, and not all of us are pastors or missionaries, but all believers wear the name of Christ. Uh, all believers are, are called to, uh, to, to speak of the hope they have in Christ. Uh, and here Paul says this really powerful thing. Uh, he says, uh, as ambassadors for Christ, God is making his appeal through us. Think of that. God, God could have made his appeal to the world uh, by, by you know, speaking from the gigantic loudspeaker in the sky and just shouting out from the loudspeaker in the sky. He could have done that. He could have written in, in, the, in the clouds uh, the message. He could have done that. He's God. Uh, but he chose not to. He chose to make his appeal to the world through people. Through people who represent him. What, a, what an amazing calling. What an amazing privilege. Yeah, it can be a scary privilege, but, but, but it's the call that God has. It's going to look different for each of us. Each of us has different roles, different gifts, different personalities. Uh, so, uh, but we should. If you know Christ, think of what would it look like for you to be an ambassador for Christ? What would it look like for you to be used by God, to, for God to make his appeal through you? Right Again, probably different for all of us. To be able to, to, to see those around you who need to hear this good news of reconciliation and to point them to it in Christ. Maybe it's just as, as simple as beginning to, to engage and get to know uh, the people around you, neighbors, and build relationships with them. Maybe it's something like inviting them to come to church. Right? You get Easter coming up, and invite somebody to an Easter service or something like that. Uh, looking and praying for opportunities to speak of Christ and what God is teaching you and the good news God has brought into your life. That's an important one to, to ponder. Even, even just pray through this afternoon. Lord, what would it look like for me to be an ambassador for Christ? So, we, we, we started talking about, about human relationships. Right? And, and, and we, it, we can feel the, the seriousness of human relationships. Maybe even, even as I was asking you to picture it, maybe you felt your heart getting heavy. Right? And I'm, I'm sorry for doing that, if that really hurt you. Uh, but... It, in a sense, that gives us a taste of the seriousness of what relational mess is about. Uh, and and that is, that is the, the heaviness and then some of what our sin does between us and God. And it highlights the amazing, amazing work uh, of God himself, that though he didn't make any of the mess, he did all the work to fix it. Right? That here's this good news uh, that that though we're like the prodigal son who was, who was run off because he sent his son to bear our sin and we receive his righteousness, we get this welcome that we don't deserve. But if you're, if you're trusting in Christ, realize that, that the guilt is gone and you wear the righteousness of Christ. So the, uh, the message from the Lord, the welcome from the Lord, well, it's exactly what we read earlier. 
it's, it's God the Father saying uh, to you, saying, bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's eat and celebrate because this, my son, my daughter, was dead, is alive again. And they began to celebrate. Celebrate. That's good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the undeserved mercy in the gospel. We thank you for your, your mighty love for us. And we pray, Lord, that we would, uh, we would uh, Lord, be those who, who marvel, be, be those who rest in that good news, uh, Lord, be those who, who trust uh, in Christ and in Christ alone. And Lord, we pray that that would transform us. Uh, Lord, use us in the world, we do pray, uh, that this life and this welcome would be, would be known. Uh, Lord, we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.